The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd, I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, our show today is about real positive human relations, and we have one of the most experts in the country, and especially in Orange County, we're so special to have Rusty Kennedy. Let me tell you a little bit about Rusty Kennedy and all the great work he's been doing for so many years right here in Orange County, California. Rusty Kennedy has served as executive director of the Orange County Human Relations Commission since 1981, and he's, he was the founding CEO of the nonprofit Orange County Human Relations Council since 1991. And the mission at Orange County Human Relations is to promote understanding among diverse residents and eliminate prejudice, intolerance, and discrimination. And they do a lot of mediation work and mediation training as well. Rusty leads this dynamic public-private partnership that includes the nationally recognized Bridges, which is School Intergroup Relations and Violence Prevention Program, and a mediation conflict resolution program and a community building program that includes diverse leadership development and police community relations training, collaborative community planning and living room dialogues and civil rights advocacy. He's also done a tremendous amount of work in the middle schools and high schools to help them to create safe schools and to really eradicate all the cyber crime and the hate crimes that go on in the schools as well. And he has published articles on civil rights, hate crimes, building intergroup understanding, and he's been a mediator for a long time. I could go on and on and on about all the wonderful work he's done, but I get a kick out of it that he actually started being a civil rights activist back when he was only 13 years old. He marched to Sacramento, which is the California capital, with Cesar Chavez to bring attention to the plight of farm workers. And he has done tremendous work since he's a little a little guy, and now he's a tall, handsome man. So without further ado, I want to just thank you, Rusty, for joining us today. You are just wonderful. Well, Mari, I'm, I'm sitting here blushing. Uh, luckily, we're on the radio, so I guess you can't see that. <laughs> right, right. So why is it way back that the Board of Supervisors created the Orange County Human Relations Commission? Marty, you know, in 1971, when the Board of Supervisors created the Human Relations Commission, they were right on the heels of the Civil Rights Movement, and this is kind of a response to that. It was a 
recognition that our diverse and changing community needed an organization that was devoted to eliminating prejudice and, and uh, uh, discrimination and also trying to build understanding and resolve conflict between uh, changing elements of our community. Yes, it's so, and you know, it's still very, very important today. And and right here on the campus, we've had a lot of problems with, you know, cyberbullying and then the Palestinian kids and the Israeli kids. We've, we've had that here right on the campus and we've seen it in our whole community. So it's even more important today or, or equally as important as it was back in, in the 1970s, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. As, as Orange County has become, you know, in, in the 70s, Orange County was a pretty white, suburban, quiet community compared to today when we see you know, uh, the, the the majority, I think like about 45% of our um, K-12 school students in Orange County are Latino. Yes. And only about a third are white at this point. We have about 15% uh, Asian Pacific Islander, only 2% African American. But you can see that kind of rapid demographic change and growth. We're over 3 million people. Uh, those are the kind of things that make for even more uh, opportunities for uh, misunderstandings uh, complicated by these diverse uh, ethnic and religious and other cultural practices and differences. Yes, and it's so wonderful. You know, right now I'm, I'm teaching this wonderful class here at UCI, I teach negotiations, and I've never had a, a class that was so diverse. I have people from from Rio de Janeiro. I have them from Jordan. This whole class, you know, of like 20 people is just every every country is represented. It is such a thrill and what an opportunity to learn from each other and for them to get along It's and practice conflict resolution skills. This is really yeah. such a treat for me. So I can see how that would be for you with the tremendous diversity in Orange County. My youngest son just uh, graduated uh, there from UCI in physics a little over a year ago, and I, I know that the campus has become incredible, incredibly diverse and, and rich, really enriched by that diversity. Absolutely. Now, you've been a mediator for over 35 years, so can you share some of the cases or some, some of the most interesting cases that you've mediated over the years? Well, of course, uh, you know, there have been, uh, we, we've done mediation for so many years, and um, ironically, uh, more often than not, it's about uh, the uh, leaves that are falling from your tree into my pool, or my trash can in your yard, or my dog barking, and you're upset by it. But Right, but that can create, it can escalate. It can, and, you know, we also do, um, on a more occasional basis, because these things don't always come up every year, but... Uh, the more complex community mediations where huge, uh, you know, issues become front and center, small squabbles turn into iconic incidents. You, you've probably heard of the high-tech video store where the owner posted a picture of Ho Chi Minh and the, and the Vietnamese flag. And right. that right in the midst of Little Saigon. Oh. Uh, you know, Orange County's uh, got a, the probably the largest population of Vietnamese Americans or Vietnamese Americans outside of Vietnam itself, and so you know, having that um, having that image placed in front of people who have that you know fought a war, lost their country, lost their families, lost everything, um, you know, erupted in enormous demonstrations. Tens of thousands of people took to the streets blocking off, uh, you know, uh, the, the major arterial highways 
and creating a situation that was extremely dangerous. Yes. Where, um, you know, any kind of uh, a person could come in and do, do things that would just set it afire. So in that situation, at the request of the police chief, we pulled in because of relationships that we had established over time trust that we had built. We were able to pull in diverse representatives of the Vietnamese American community and bring them to the table with uh, the uh, police department and the district attorney and try to negotiate a settlement for kind of ground rules for demonstration. Yes. And I mean, as, as you know, when you're, when you're dealing with conflict, it can be very... Um, it, it, in, in this kind of conflict, you can be sitting there. In fact, let me tell you one little part of it, just you'll you get a kick out of it. Yes. We, we had um, uh, spent hours uh, negotiating over how can we create this safe passageway so egress to the shopping center isn't blocked, and so the major arterial highway isn't blocked, and so there's a safe situation if there's an emergency or something. We thought we had hammered it all out, and... Uh, um, and then everybody went and took a little caucus, and uh, the articulate young, uh, you know, Vietnamese American attorney who was negotiating on behalf of the Vietnamese community primarily, um, you know, uh, that we had worked it all out with, meets in their caucus, and then they come back to the table and they say, "Well, um, as it turns out, we can't do that." Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so all of the negotiation fell apart because we didn't realize that the old guy in the back who wasn't speaking. Um, in fact, he had minimal uh, English language skills, and so he wasn't really actively involved, was where the power existed. And mm. so when they went back in caucus, he said, no. And, you know, we were back to, um, yes, it, we, we believe in America. We believe in freedom of speech. We believe that anybody can say anything they want. But he put up a picture of Ho Chi Minh, and that's not freedom. That's yeah. <laughs> dictatorship. So... Sometimes you deal with an extreme emotion, um, history that just doesn't go away, and sometimes you you have to realize that uh, you're not always negotiating with the person who holds the decision-making power. So. Uh, the, and that's, uh, I was just thinking how many times I ask in the beginning of a mediation, which, you know, it, it's not, you don't always get the answer you want, but I always say, are all the stakeholders here? And then, you know, everyone who has the authority, are they all here? Or can we get them on the phone? Or, you know, but that's kind of hard when you got a whole community and you don't know who's speaking English and who can be part, you know, participating in. So it's, it's true. That's, that's that's happened to me sometimes, too. You you think you've got a whole deal, and then suddenly uh, an adjuster comes in that, that didn't know about it, and he, he ruins the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it can be a... It can be fragile, and when they're when you're dealing with multi parties, also it's, it's it's precarious. But we were able to work out the agreement, and they did hold by it. And the police department was able to manage the situation there, you know, a- after that time. And so it, you know, even though it was a huge and disruptive demonstration, it was uh, conducted in a way that allowed for at least public safety, and it didn't ruin the, the other un you know, unrelated businesses that were all suffering at, at that time. So and I, pretty- yeah, I can't remember. Did he finally take that down? Actually, uh, oddly enough, um, the he, you know, he had some probably some mental health health issues himself. Uh, oh, okay. But uh, as it turned out, the the police department, um, upon investigating, uh, I think there was like a break in and some vandalism during this period. Um, found that he had a huge trove of illegally copied videotapes. Oh. 
and they seized his equipment where he was in the back of the shop where he was making these. And um, this uh, criminal case um, then um, caused for his uh, incarceration for a short period, and and it it complicated his. overall situation and and as a result the you know other issues came into play uh in terms of of that he lost his lease and left oh well i guess i guess it's karma <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, i'm not sure but uh it it, it certainly uh, it wasn't about the negotiations with him because he mm-hmm. he really you couldn't in this situation he didn't have the mental acuity to right. negotiate himself and and there was really it would have been almost impossible uh, to negotiate with someone, you know, that doesn't have the mental capacity to sort of, uh, you know, come to agreement, didn't really care about that, was doing crazy things. Yeah, and and see, that, that's another really important point about wh- how, how mediation works or doesn't work. You know, when does mediation work? Well, mediation works when you have people who are um, mentally stable enough to make good decisions and to listen and to problem solve and to do some solutioneering. But when someone is so out of it, you really can't. So, but it, it worked out, you know, all's well that ends well. Sure, sure. <laughs> we are speaking with Rusty Kennedy, who is the executive director of the Orange County Human Relations Commission. He does great work in the community. He's been a mediator for 35 years and he runs this wonderful program to try and build bridges among all the different community members, which is really wonderful. So what do you think right now are one of your biggest challenges with the diversity in, in Orange County? Well, uh, you know, there's there are difficult economic times mixed with uh, changing demographics um, bring about a situation where small conflicts can grow into larger uh, disagreements and and hostility can can boil over and we look at the uh, some of the dynamics that happen around election year um, as bringing out sometimes some of the nastiest uh, dialogue and and that kind of um, uh, lack of civility if you will will uh, in in this these kinds of difficult times can be the trigger for um, people on the fringes of our society to act out and so we're always uh, particularly wary at these times uh, of, um, you know, of, of hate crime and people lashing out at others uh, based on some of the, some of the, you know, sort of characterizations that happen in the political arena and some of the the bad talk and and political hit pieces that that go around and, and tend to to wear uh, wear thin on, on some of the fragile relationships between our diverse communities. Yeah, and I think, you know, what I have seen so many years, and I used to be a high school teacher, and I actually used to be an administrator in Santa Ana Unified, and I've been watching how they've been doing some peer mediation. It seems to me that some of the things that you're doing in the middle schools and the high schools are just fabulous because a lot of a lot of us don't really learn good conflict resolution skills at home. You know, our parents didn't learn it and their parents didn't learn it. And so now, and you know, it's so wonderful to be able to have some training in the schools like this. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about the the work that you've done to, to stop cyberbullying and maybe to do some peer mediation? Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, you know, through our Bridges program, we, we reach about 40,000 kids annually in Orange County. 
And that program is essentially designed to bring diverse kids together to try to create a campus environment where uh, respect for people that is, are different is it permeates the campus and that sets the climate. And part of uh, creating that kind of a climate is, is teaching the fundamentals of conflict resolution to kids and helping to, them to set up their own structures, their own infrastructure, if you will, to resolve conflict through programs like peer mediation. And always an element for us in, in training peer mediators at the high schools and junior highs and with young people in general, or any age, is uh, the recognizing that uh, culture and ethnicity, religion and differences are important things to know about and be sensitive to. And so we work also to try to derive that or, or try to add that component to the knowledge of the, of the young people that we work with to try to uh, be mediators in their schools and be, you know, kind of the catalyst for some of that positive, uh, uh, you know, uh, community uh, climate at their school campuses. And we really worry about gangs. Um, and so I know that that, especially in the, I used to teach, you know, I told you in um, Santa Ana Unified, and I remember one time I was an administrator and I had to be out on the, for, for Lathrop Intermediate, and um, and there were kids pulling knives right out. I mean, these young kids were pulling knives right out in, during recess. So I'm just wondering, you know, what, what are you guys doing about the gang issue? Sure. Well, uh, you know, there are a ton of issues, and we're not great at solving all of them. But in dealing with some of the challenges of, uh, of violence and gang violence in particular, um, it, whether it's San Clemente or uh, Santa Ana, whether it's, you know, Fullerton or Seal Beach, uh, you know, we see activity uh, uh, in, in all those communities related to gangs and across the county. And one of the ways in which we work to try to, to um, I mean, I think that the, the approach to dealing with gangs is probably better with other organizations than ours. I, we don't have a comprehensive anti-gang program, but we collaborate in um, building diverse communities. So in, for instance, in San Clemente, where we do community development work, we're working um, to develop diverse leaders in that low-income Latino barrio in San Clemente, and that process helps to build and relations between the uh, Orange County Sheriff's Department that runs the law enforcement there and those that particular uh, Latino community where there may have been strained relations historically. And uh, being that intermediary to bring that Spanish-speaking community together with the police so that they recognize that in that community there are these great parents that are just struggling to survive and protect their children, and getting that partnership going is a great antidote for uh, gang activity because nowhere do gangs thrive more than where they're able to drive a wedge between a neighborhood and the law enforcement agency there. And so if you can go in, as we've done in those community building efforts, um, and, and re build those relations between the community and the police um, through conflict resolution as well as through positive um, community policing, you know, proactive programming, build that relationship, build that trust, um, all of a sudden you find that it's a lot harder for uh, violent, uh, you know, gangsters to, to hide out there. Um, and it's a pretty 
successful system. Yeah, and I think just doing the peer mediation would help that as well for the kids to, to bring these kids who are strong leaders instead of going into gangs, that they go and they have their they get accolades in a different way. You know, they get leadership in a different way, in a very positive way to go back and teach the younger kids. That, that to me, seems like would be wonderful as well. I think, you know, when it comes to gangs, I, I, I think that, you know, we, we really need to look as a society at what are the alternatives for young people in that neighborhood. Right. I, I think you have to have safe routes to school. You have to be able to protect kids. Um, you know, uh, which maybe we're falling short on sometimes. You have to be able to give some recreational space. You have people crowded. You know, Santa Ana is the densest per capita city in the United States, denser than New York City. Wow. People don't realize that sometimes. Mm. And that is a very difficult thing for young people. You know, we, we did a workshop with kids from some more affluent communities of Orange County and some of the kids from some of the poor uh, neighborhoods. And one of the things I was struck with is this drawing they did illustrating their own perception of their neighborhood. And this little girl from Santa Ana was describing hers, and she so she, there's her house, and next to it there's a skull and crossbones at the house next door. Mm. A couple of houses down there's a needle dripping, and, you know, it's mm. just re- this real kind of scary environment. And this other girl from Irvine had illustrated herself skipping down the street and talking to her neighbor who's watering her lawn and there are flowers in the yard. And, and this little girl from Santa Ana asked her, you mean you can just go, uh, you know, go down the street all by yourself? And, you know, she, she was struck at the different reality that they have. And she shared that she, she's not even um, safe going out of the house after dark, that it just isn't safe in their front yard, much less, um, you know, outside at, uh, at, after dark hours. And, you know, it's a, it's a very different reality that uh, some young people face. And I think facing, uh, having us all sort of step up in that, uh, in that arena with that awareness would be a good thing for us. Really. And, and going in, you know, having maybe community cleanups where everybody gets together in those communities and plants some flowers and, and does some things to help, um, you know, clean up the neighborhood from, from the, the drugs. It's, it's really, it's not an easy solution. Absolutely not an easy solution. But one of the things we're seeing a lot of, even in the real affluent communities, is the cyberbullying. That one, I mean, I even get calls about that for my privacy practice. So what are you all doing about cyberbullying? One of the things that, uh, you know, this is kind of a a new area, and we had done a, a workshop last year to to uh, bring people together and look at this as an as an issue, the the use of the internet and social media to uh, bully people and to um, you know and to really mock and make fun of them. It's it's very dangerous as you see um, the high uh, incidence of uh, suicide um, and particularly in some um, uh, micro populations of our kids, gay and lesbian kids who uh, you know feel picked on and might get. Um, you know, uh, cyber bullied uh, are even more at risk. And so looking at that cyber bullying and recognizing that it's a serious thing and and, uh, monitoring it is is something that's important. We saw, you know, in fact, during the, you know, the Irvine 11, uh, the case that, uh, you know, related to the uh, the ambassador from Israel and and the actions taken 
by a group of students to uh, disrupt his speech. Well, in the in the aftermath of that and the prosecution of it, the, the uh, emotions ran so high. We we got reported to us some twenty different uh, incidents of. Uh, like email and and those kinds of uh, electronic harassment of Muslim students uh, mm. the MSU because they were perceived to be you know kind of the perpetrators there and so people were calling up and saying horrible things but also emailing um, vicious and nasty and you know profane uh, kinds of things so it's a it's a serious thing in today's world. We look and we say, well, gosh, people are meeting their spouses, uh, you know, online. People are uh, living uh, a, a large part, an increasingly large part of their lives online through their smartphones and, you know, and, and through various uh, social media um, uh, elements. And, and so paying attention to that and the ways in which uh, those who would hate use that to uh, bully and and, uh, and 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 perpetrate their bigotry. It's important. It's an important consideration. And they can be anonymous, and that's you know that's a tough one too because you don't know who's saying these horrible things about you. Or you remember the case that I met the mother of the daughter who committed suicide when um, another mother in the neighborhood um, actually helped to you know pretend to be a boyfriend and then break up with her online. Do you remember that case? But anyway, um, this this is the kind of stuff that is so cruel, and sure. people can do it anonymously or use somebody else's identity to do this. So yeah. you got your work really set out for you, Rusty. <laughs> well, I was, I was pleased, actually, that um, some of our media outlets, like the Orange County Register, um, requires now a Facebook, I believe it was the register, that requires people to register with Facebook in order to post comments on their articles. And we had seen this anonymous commentary um, in the blogosphere as being an, a growing problem uh, because of the anonymousness. People say the worst things. Yes. And, uh, you know, when, when people have, are held accountable or at least, uh, you know, have to have to be who they are and not hide behind this anonymity, um, at least there's some more, a, a little a blanket of civility that occurs. So yeah. some of that registration process, I think, is good because it, it uh, and we did the same in Fullerton this year as we were addressing the Kelly Thomas case, oh. dealing with, uh, you know, the, the death oh. at the hands of the uh, police there of Kelly Thomas, a severely mentally ill homeless guy who, who uh, got in a conflict with the police and, and died in, in uh, yes. uh, as a result. Well, that that um, you know the part of the mind, part of the process of brainstorming what we can do as a community included a cyber element, and in that, our mind mixer uh, it also required that registration because we don't want the loose ends of our society to to vent uh, anonymously and 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 really escalate um, the anger, fear, and reaction of others in our community. No. So you're doing such a wonderful job. We we so much appreciate all the work that the Human Relations Commission is doing in Orange County. And thank you for all the conflict resolution. And we're going to all work together to heal this conflict in our communities and uh, hopefully the world, right? It's Absolutely. not too big. It's not too much to ask for, right? No, I think if we each do what we can, that's all we can ask in the world. 
Yeah. A better place than what we found. Exactly. Each one of us. Well, thank you so much. We are out of time. And Rusty, thank you so much for everything that you're doing in Orange County for the Human Relations Commission and for mediation. And we will talk again soon. Well, thank you, Mari. It's been my pleasure. Okay. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. There you can see our upcoming guests, download podcasts, and write us about what's concerning you about conflict in your life or what you think we need to do to heal conflict in our communities. Bye-bye. It's about trust. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.